GM, everyone, how you doing? GM, 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 how is it going? It's great. They always leave me by myself when I when I host these shows. And any of you notice that? Fruit doesn't even show up. Then OSF sends up five minutes late. Yeah, I think you navigate it pretty well, though. I think I think you do a pretty good job at uh, filling the space and uh, getting getting giving them ample time to show up and get prepared for their DM. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just leave some awkward silence for the first three minutes of the show. Normally. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun, like seeing what's at the beginning of the show, trimming it out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you just trim out the first two minutes of our show all, all, all the time like particularly when it's me and me and osf hosting yeah sometimes you guys have some gems up there you know i think i think if there's a point of laughter in the beginning it's worth keeping <laughs> how you doing osf hello gm you playing ping pong again today no i moved to a different uh different part of the building where people aren't playing ping pong in the background so Hopefully it's not as uh, distracting. So I mean, kind of entertaining. You're clearly the person playing. Like that game went on for like three hours. <laughs> I do. I am a big table tennis fan, actually. So um, I would back myself to play and do rug radio at the same time, but sadly, on this occasion, it wasn't me. You are you one of those guys who had a, a table tennis table in their in their garden when you grew up? You were like amazing. I had a table tennis table in my garden. I like I had like the best bat, and then I, I used to write stuff in my bat, like on the red side of it. Like I, I used to write die d d i e, so I'd distract the opponent. Wow! Wow! <laughs> the intimidation. I tactic. still like the part. <laughs> that was. I still like the part where you said D- I used D's- to. Sorry, you, you go. I was just about to say, I think Dee's definitely feels like the sort of person that's amazing at table tennis. Like, just just so calmly amazing. No, so calmly uncoordinated and fucking horrible is more like it at table tennis for me. I'm very uncoordinated. Anything that revolve, involves a lot of hand-eye coordination that isn't like a mouse and keyboard or controller, I'm pretty much fucked. You should see me try to play basketball. It's worse than table tennis. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I didn't expect that. I thought you would have had a hidden talent at table tennis. So, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> I just get destroyed at table tennis. We, 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 it's fun. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's one of the few games that's like fun to lose at. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not great. I like the part from yesterday where OSF said, "Oh yeah, I, I had a short position on this place, and now I'm like hanging out here." <laughs> that's so great. OSF, did you start this like little mini bull market <laughs> of all these PFP uh, projects? Is there I a mean, bull market going on? <laughs> it's 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 a joke, but it's also like I don't know. There's like a bunch of projects, you know, like being launched and they're selling out. It's pretty it's pretty interesting to see. I don't know. We, we've got a free project that hasn't minted out yet, so uh, I think we're still in the depths of a bear market by all accounts. No, wow, free free. NFT projects are actually like the waves. They're really underrated. What the hell? I need to get this free project. Where do I go? Well, did you own a Dgens or Regens? So that's the start. That's the starting point. It was only it was on the allow list, so um, you might you might not be able to access it now. All right. So you just a tease. No problem. No problem. Cool. <laughs> hey, we're just we're just separating the people who claim they own Dgens and Regens from the people who actually own Dgens and Regens. <laughs> GM Kenobi. 
GM fam, how's everyone doing? Good, good. I think um, I think Farouk is traveling. I think he's in France for the next few days. Um, I'm sure we'll find out more details uh, after he posts. But I'm a hold up with we DJ, can, uh, we DJ can... or where you want to call it, just letting people know. <laughs> I think he's in Monaco. He had like a horrible he's... flight, bad he's... turbulence. Got he's in Monaco, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's in Monaco. To see the, F- the F1 is in Monaco this weekend. I don't really know. Like, Fruit has these really random connections uh, all over the world, but he seems to he seems to roll deep in in Monaco. Like, he he knows some pretty serious people there. We can just play like an old recording of him going like GM GM and like let's fucking go and like no one will notice. I guess I don't know. Just play the video of him dumping the milk out of himself. That's all we need. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, just put that on repeat. As Cool Cat's tip below three. Are you guys insinuating that Mando and I don't have the uh, the same kind of energy that Farouk has? Or yes, <laughs> no, 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 it's just no, yes, you are very Ed nice. Def- Ed def- they, they don't, they don't. Wow, like so it. that bull market, huh? <laughs> it's getting hot on this stage. <laughs> they don't have it, but it's okay. We still love y'all anyway. We love y'all. Ed, Ed, <laughs> We, can't, we just can't change how we are. Like me trying to sound super excited, like Farouk just never works. I've tried it before. Um, it just seems so disingenuous. So I'm just going to be who I am. Wait, can, yeah, can, we, can we hear it? I'm going to be as okay. boring as okay. possible for just, the next. Just break, next. break free. Can we just hear just one let's fucking go? I just, I'm just curious. I feel like we're all kind of curious, guys. Who's curious to hear Mando just who, let who, out who? a big let's fucking go? Come on. I'm trying, to think, I'm trying to think what's a, what's a great Farouk impression. Like what he always says is like, Oh my god, I love that. I love that. <laughs> it goes, GM, GM, GM! <laughs> Yo, <laughs> let's wow, go! Wow, this is recorded. He's coming for y'all. Um, but no, this- no, no, no. <laughs> oh, come on. He, he takes the piss out of what we say every single day. Like His, his British accent is, is, uh, comes out at least once a show. But no, I love Mando so and all that stuff. I think you guys have the dry humor. Um, that you, you guys are funny, but don't expect, like, you know, you're not trying to be funny. And Listen, yeah, it's a bell. Alpha. We don't have the alpha, you guys. Oh, no, I'm trying to be funny. Without... I'm trying to be funny. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just oh, anyways, I'm excited. I'm going to be quiet. I'm sure you have a lot of alpha to share on this bull run that's happening right so, now. I think we've got a, good, I've got a good show. Let me just pin the topics. We've got. Um... Oh, I've pinned them for you, Mandy. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. We've actually got a really useful for once. I'd like to say it's a good show. It's actually like a really Mando and OSF show where we're going to get into like NFT loans. And then afterwards, we're going to get into uh, like metaverses. It's going to be not very wag me and, and very much like analytical. So hopefully you stick around. Um, but yeah, we can we can kind of get into what's been going on in the NFT market or what hasn't been going on over the last 24 hours. It still feels dead. Do you maybe want to give a little brief summary before uh, everyone commits suicide, OSF? Yeah, I think um, yesterday, I was, I was really, like yesterday, stocks got, uh, crushed, but they bounced back. I was really surprised at how well crypto held in yesterday. Um, today, stocks were up a little bit again. Today, uh, just, there's not really much to say. It's like every day, it's like one day we're down two percent, the next day we're up two percent. So we're just. It seems like we're at least stabilizing at these levels. It seems very range bound. Um, the only thing that I think was noteworthy yesterday was there's a huge um, rally in interest rates. It's like five year, ten year, thirty year. They're all about thirteen to fifteen basis points lower. Um, I don't really have the reason for that. I know that today, uh, the Fed minutes from earlier this month gets published, which maybe sometimes is an insight into what was discussed in that meeting and, and what 
um, what they're thinking, but I didn't really foresee any surprises there. But yeah, I was kind of a little bit surprised by the, the big interest rate rally yesterday. I don't know if you have any explanations for that, Michael, but... No, no. Ma- macro seemed pretty dull. Um, yeah. Obviously, it was Fed, Fed minutes. I, I, I continue to think that, like I've said it in the last few sessions, we're in the second phase of this now, which is in some ways a more, is, is a, a definitely a stronger phase than the initial phase, where at least interest rates are now going lower. People are expecting a recession and they're expecting the Fed to blink. I think, um, I think now people have dismissed the idea that the next two uh, Fed meetings will have a 50 bip rate increase. And that was priced in. Uh, only a couple of weeks ago. So people are definitely expecting them to not be as aggressive, which is positive. I think in crypto, there are a few, there are a few pretty big headlines that like you saw A16Z raised a 4.5 billion, um, fund, which is probably in the work for a while, but it's, it's specifically going to be focused on web three and what they view as like a, a dislocation in the market right now and a, a good chance to buy dips. So I thought that was, that was pretty bullish on the structural side. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to buy all our bags, but it does look like they're going to be um, building in the space. And uh, in particular, they looked like they were going to have a focus on gaming, which I, I thought was interesting. Um, and I also saw there were some details about maybe Do Kwan had managed to strike a deal where Luna could get some sort of like um, recovery package. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if that's a speculation at this, at this stage, but that would be interesting to see. I, I do think that... Um, the death of that stablecoin is um, could leave a pretty permanent mar- uh, marker. So it would be nice to see if uh, maybe some of the bigger people in the in the market rallied around to kind of bring some revenue back to that model. Yeah, um, I think what you will probably see. I know that they raised the fund and deploying it, but with the with this huge backup, I think you could see like. When we used to work in digital finance, everyone had this thing called a dislocation fund, which was like it was money set aside to put into equities, credit, etc. When you had a huge backup, and it only got triggered if you got if equities or whatever backed up by a specific amount. So um, we saw a lot of people deploy dislocation funds during COVID in 2020 because things were down 30, 40, 50 percent, and a lot of money went into that. And I think the way that those funds work is they exit pretty quickly as well. They'll exit they'll exit on like a 2x or a 3x so i think i would imagine that you have a similar thing in crypto i don't know if you have like dislocation funds that are structured as such but um you know i would expect these levels to attract investment at some stage like i don't think it's now because you also have fucking like tech stocks that are down 60 70 and they probably look like more attractive investments for traditional investors but um, I, I definitely think people have an eye on this kind of stuff and have an eye on raising capital, um, just given the entry point is, uh, is, is so good because of external factors. Um, I think there are enough people out there who believe in the future of blockchain and crypto and tech, etc. Oh, for sure. I think this is definitely a bullish sign. The fact that they're specifically the... Um... I mean, I'm not going to say it's a bull market or anything like that, but what I would say is I do think this is interesting to see that institutional funds are raising capital because they think that this is a, uh, a time to buy the dip. Um, look, I, I think, again, the difference between this and like 2018 is that actually a lot of um, a lot of top projects wrote uh, like did did raises during the um, during the bull market and they have pretty stacked treasuries. Like if you go across um, across the different L1s and even even like NFT projects, like the fact that 
a project which now is a floor of like three ETH can have a treasury of like a hundred a hundred million makes you think well they they at least you have um you have funds already locked in here for building and i do think that's that's a positive sign that um that unlike 2000, 2018 it does feel as though people are far more um better funded going into this and if you're starting to raise to to raise dislocation capital as well um I think that points to the idea that institutions are, are probably going to stick around, um, or at least see this as a as an opportunity to um, to buy the dip. Yeah, I think so. It's just like there is, um, despite what's going on right now, there is like a lot of money out there that wants to be invested, and I think has been patient. So um, it's just a question of like finding the entry point for these funds to deploy. So. Um, I agree. Like that's what they raised was what ACCNZ raised is a quite as a large number for a crypto fund, um, and it shows you that there is money out there to be invested. So I don't know if we'll see more of it or not, but it's uh, it's bullish. I Sorry, think it's bullish on yeah. Right? yeah. No ACCNZ. I think it's bullish. Um, but I mean, yesterday was the lowest day in AOT volumes all year, so that also gives you a sense of what the market feels like right now. It feels very liquid. Not a lot is trading. Only really the blue chips are are holding onto a floor. I think NFT statistics put out a thing about his like mid cap index. I saw you reply to that, D's. Like some of those have been absolutely destroyed, even in ETH terms over the last um, two months. Uh, and that bit of the market still feels pretty pretty horrific. Yeah, it's like most of that shit's down fifty percent ETH, which is also down over like fifty percent dollars. And it's just not great. Yeah, I think it's tough. I think NFTs are in a tough, in, in my opinion, I think they're in a tough spot. Um, obviously, we've seen that in recent price action, but I just don't think, like, like right now at current levels, it's just going to be retail driven, and it doesn't seem like we're going to get uh, a, a bigger influx of retail demand. When we had the pump this year, it was definitely like VC or institutionally driven, but. You know, like like I said, like that investor money is not going to go into NFTs right now. It's going to go into other stuff because there are other things that have way better risk reward profiles. So I'm kind of like, I think the good projects, which are just basically seed investments into whatever brand or company they're trying to build, will end up doing very well. But you know, the, the hype kind of hype fueled kind of stuff and valuations, I just don't. I think it'll take a lot for them to bounce back. That's just my view. So the two things I'm looking at structurally coming up. One is that I'm pretty sure imminently uh, OpenSea is going to start um, supporting credit card payments for, for NFTs, which I think could bring on more retail investors. And particularly in that mid-tier, lower-tier part of the market, which has been absolutely smoked, there are some good projects. There are definitely some good projects. I put out a tweet earlier, which is my favorite project under threes and there's a ton of projects which um which are genuine builders that i think do have unique selling points that that could be valuable over the over the future um and i do think that if that happens and that's a structural thing that could that can improve like coinbase nft was such a flop but um if that happens then if, if they make it easier to onboard retail people then that's uh that i think will be a big thing and then the second thing i guess is is generic airdrops and um I don't think that's specifically for NFTs, but I do think you've got some big ones increasingly being talked about, uh, like MetaMask. Um, but that one's a bit more pie in the sky. I'm, I'm much more bullish on the first one of those points than the second. 
Remember when we all thought that like Coinbase NFT platform was like going to send us into like a crazy bull run? Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I was one of those people. Like they had so many signups, um, but the, the the way that they the UI and the UX is just not as good as OpenSea or LooksRare or the other platforms, and um, they just haven't done as good a job onboarding. Like that's part of the reason why Coinbase stock has been absolutely decimated, right? Like people re- were really bullish on their ability to convert that. And it's not that I do. I think medium term, Coinbase will be able to do a much better job than they have. But um, it's that, that's been a massive disappointment. How many Speaking people here, Coinbase, though, use... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, how many people here use, like, looks rare or something other than OpenSea? Because I just feel like we all complain about OpenSea, me included. Um, but I don't use anything else. Why yeah, I use looks rare. Just use gem and just get the best price, and I don't care where it pulls it from at the end of the day. I use OpenSea only. Yeah, I think a lot of people just uh, use aggregators as well, right? That, that's a good point. Like, you don't know you're using them, but you are. Just from, like, buying things on looks or selling things on looks through gem, so, like, just gives you free money. Especially when like selling the high value shit like apes and some of those high end azukis, like uh, the looks rewards stacked up really quick. Now obviously they're like fifty cents per look, so it feels like nothing. But when it was like a dollar fifty and higher, it felt pretty nice. Wait, for people that are new or you know our uh, Spotify and Apple listeners, um, could somebody explain what we're talking about? Like, what do you mean, gem and just everything? Yeah, Gem.xyz. Yeah, sure. so Gem- no, you got it, Bondo. Sorry. No, no. You, um, Gem and Genie are just aggregators. So um, if you're in crypto, you may have used platforms like One Inch before. Um, and that, they, uh, across a, when you're trying to convert one crypto to another, they give you the best prices across the different exchanges. This is very similar in that it aggregates the prices across the different uh, NFT exchanges. OpenSea is by far and away the biggest, but there are some other ones which reward users in different ways for using their platform. So LooksRare and another platform called X2Y2 reward users just for listing their NFTs um, and trading on that platform. So there are sometimes incentives to, for you to like have there is good inventory on other platforms. Um, and a way to access that is you can go to one of these aggregators and you don't even know that you're basically... Well, you might not be 100% aware that you're buying through those platforms um, as like the end platform that you're buying from, but uh, it, it, it's a way for you to get the, the, the rewards nonetheless. So, Very cool. Does anybody know what um, the LooksRare like, uh, rewards is at now? So like you're saying that if I list it, my NFT on LooksRare, I can, and I sell it, um, I get these kind of like what, like tokens, and then I could like exchange it to um, like fiat if I want to. Yeah. So the way to look at looks, in my opinion, is that there's a 0.5% less more, uh, marketplace fee than OpenSea. So before any tokens are even considered, you're getting 0.5% more uh, value on looks. And then the tokens right now, I think, are like 50 cents last I checked. <clears throat> so I don't know exactly how much value you're getting there right now. But um, there's two rewards 
on looks. There's listing rewards and trading rewards. So if you have a listing that's like, say the floor of doodles is 10 ETH and the listing multiplier is like 1.4x, then you have to list your doodle 14 ETH or lower and you get rewards um, on a set cadence. I don't know if it's every day or every couple hours or what, but then if your doodle sells, you get extra rewards in looks. Um, so there's like a few incentives to just list and to sell on there um, on top of just the marketplace fee being 0.5% cheaper and saving you a little bit. And then don't forget about the staking rewards too. Very yeah, true. I mean, I'm yeah. not going to lie. I just sell the looks for like Ethereum and USCC rather than compound it. Um, but I'm also, you know, full disclosure, I'm a seed investor in LuxRare. And I have a seed investment that's locked up, so I probably don't feel like I need my tokens to compound them. I just sell all the rewards I get, and I'm like, oh, I just want Ethereum or USD. No, it's it's really interesting. Like I I myself know what it is. Um, I you know I when Looks Rare came out, I participated in the airdrop and everything. It's just for like the people listening who might not know. And then even for myself, where I'm just like, why don't I use it? I can't really answer that. I have no idea. But very very educational, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, and if you're using Yo, GM.xyz, uh, GM, thank you. Uh, if you're using GM.xyz, there's a list feature, so you can list on Looks Rare X2Y2 and OpenSea all from Gem. So you don't even ever need to go to looks rare's website or x2y2's website you can do everything from buying and selling on all three marketplaces on gem and i think gem also supports rareable i probably forgot to mention that i have a question so doesn't OpenSea already take credit card via moonpay so i think that's what they're rolling out I think they're rolling out it. with other pay payment providers now. Got it. Because I've seen it a couple of times on under, I don't know if it's on every collection or if it's like a beta thing for just certain people, but um, yeah. Also MoonPay is still, I think there's still like a barrier to entry on that because people don't want to sign up for like another thing. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is for a Coinbase NFT, as much as like we say it flopped, like they haven't actually done one single primary sale yet. So they've only opened up the, broad marketplace for like secondary sales so i think that once they open that up i think numbers might start going up yeah i think good. i was like i was just like so i really was looking forward to coinbase like onboarding people and bringing in like a new wave of people that weren't involved in nfts and i feel like they just completely missed that mark like that's despite whatever happens like i don't feel like that's gonna happen i'm not hopeful about that like at all anymore yeah, no, I definitely wish they would have. I just like, I'm hoping that there's something where, um, you know, if someone wants to put out like a cheaper level NFT collection, whether it's like an addition or something like that, where people can buy in for like, you know, like a hundred to, to $300. I think that's going to be like the key point for them, like potentially, because this will be a lot of people's first NFTs when they when they buy on there, if they buy on there at least. Yeah, also, like, when I was using the beta, like, they had the whole comment section, which could be actually quite interesting, um, I, even dude, for, I like, a safety. Oh, you, okay, okay, so, so the thing is, okay, okay, so when I first saw that, I was like, mm, this is just, like, uh, like, we're, we're, you know, 
it, I mean, some people put some funny stuff. So I, I, I think we were all like having fun with it, but somebody brought up the, uh, I don't know, whatever. I don't know. I'm losing the words, but somebody said like, you know, this could be good for if an NFT is stolen, um, you can like comment, uh, on it. And I think that that's kind of interesting, um, or to like warn yeah, people. But... So, so imagine this, imagine you put an NFT up and then D's writes that, that it's stolen and then no one buys it. And there's no proof because it's just someone commenting, you know? Can you delete comments? That's true. You can't delete comments. And I, oh, I've, no. I've actually taught, I like reached out to them like a bunch of times. Like I've talked to them a few times. I'm like, they, I think that they should have a feature that you should be able to like disable comments if you want for your collection. Mm, that's true. What if you get like harassed and stuff? That's um, what I'm saying. Like if you see what yeah. happens on Twitter every day, you know, like people pile up on each no, other. That's true. Stuff. Imagine we just all of a sudden hate Ed or one person hates Ed. And so they just like get their minions to go like FUD his project and comment on every single one of his NFTs. And then that sucks for Ed because he's been building for so long, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's a terrible <laughs> idea. I genuinely think it's a terrible idea. I think they're going to have to get rid of it. Um, I think that the yeah. idea of it was originally they wanted. I remember hearing the um, interviews with the head of Coinbase NFT in the lead up to it. And he, their aim is to try and build a social media off the back of this. They wanted to build like a Web3 social media. So I think they wanted like a message board where people could speak to each other. But I think they just didn't quite judge how degenerate the NFT community is. Um, and yeah, just, just completely got that wrong. They also, I maybe haven't heard of Twitter, that it already exists and we're already here. So we don't need another <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think they wanted to make it look like something comfortable because like humans have like a hard time with like new things. So they're just like, okay, if we make this look like an Instagram version of like an NFT platform, everybody will use it and they're all just like, no. <laughs> Honestly, like the, the fact that it looks like Instagram gives me more anxiety about using it because I just I don't like using Instagram. I love Twitter. Um you know, it's another interesting thing I was thinking of when we were like, when you guys were talking about like um, this bear market right now and like the mark and, you know, projects down and stuff in the past, besides like last year, when it's just mostly crypto and there's a, just a, you know, non NFTs, but just crypto bear market. Um, it wasn't like a big thing. Like there wasn't Twitter spaces and, and clubhouses and things like that, where people would sit and talk every day about it it was kind of like a thing, like at least from the people that I was connected with, where it'd be like, people would talk about it here and there, but it was like, then they would just go on with their daily life and kind of like, you know, cope with the, the market in other ways. But here we're kind of like all sitting here together and like, we're like in a, you know, not maybe like a sad boat, but like a, a boat together talking about like what's going on in the market and how it's down. Are you saying we need Farouk? Is that what you're saying? You're saying this, this, the show is just isn't the same without him. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Look, I'm actually so happy that he's not here. God, I hate that guy. Just kidding. No. Um, this is recording. I'm just. Yeah, oh, I, uh, D's. Why did you say that? That's so rude. <laughs> um, Can't believe. No, I'm just saying that. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, it's um, like, yeah, it, it seems louder right now because we're all here talking about it every day, and and because we are now so like all in on nfts and stuff like it adds on to the layer of crypto that like in the past it was just like yes crypto's down crypto's down crypto's down but like i'm going and doing this i'm, I'm over here and uh and obviously like that was a lot of it was pre-covid so um there's more restrictions now you know all that kind of stuff so we're like some people are stuck in their homes and whatnot and i think it makes it seem 
worse than it is. I not I mean, trust me, it's bad, but like yeah. I think I think you're making a fair point. I was speaking to I think to somebody yesterday about this, just the concept of like how the show has even changed over the last two or three weeks. And it's I just find that most people want to hear about what's going on with like they know that they've been caught out because macro has gone against them, right? Like, it's, I don't think anyone's really like less bullish on NFT technology taking off and the fact that you can get tons of different users. But the fact that crypto has been decimated and like a lot of tech stocks and macro has been decimated, like that's really affected us. So it's been a little bit difficult to like do a show. Like, let's say for example, Cool Cats did an airdrop, or somebody else was like doing something new. Like, it just it doesn't seem that relevant right now because everyone's just getting wrecked because of macro. And it's just been a little bit difficult to kind of have an engaging show, which isn't just us talking about like stocks and where we think the bottom is on, on that sort of stuff. Because I think that's, that's honestly what people kind of, I know, that, I know what you're saying, like they don't want to hear it, but that's, that's kind of what they also want to hear. Like I, ho- I hope that in a, a week's time, you know, like everything just stabilizes a little bit and then we can go back to just focusing on, on kind of what's important in the NFT space. Because I agree with you. These, these aren't as fun for us as to like talk about like, oh, NFT volumes at the lowest level all year and and yeah and and i'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it i'm not saying we should i'm just saying that like it does seem magnified because we there's obviously so many of us like most of us in this room on stage like didn't know each other before nfts and we're sitting here talking to people that we didn't know before you know like about how the market's down and so like everyone is talking about how the market's down and um, that we're in a bear market, but we we just echo it. So it's I just think I'm not saying like we shouldn't talk about it. I think we should. But have you been in the uh, in the goblins rooms where they just go gobble gobble? You should t- attend those where they just speak the goblin. We got yeah, a goblin here yesterday. Actually. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with that. <laughs> I mean, I think I think first of all, Amanda, OSF, and and Farouk, if you're listening and not crying by now, I think you know, big round of applause for like showing up every single day and doing the show. You know, when I mean, we're all affected by what's going on, and you guys show up and do, and do the show, and you put on the show, and and you know what I mean. And and even though it's hard, like I, it's definitely needed. Like, or else what? We're just not gonna all be together. Like, I rather kind of be together, talking about it, talking it through, seeing what's going on, going through like the up and downs. Or the alternative, which is just kind of like, okay, we're all just like, we don't know what's going on, and I have no one to talk to. <laughs> so I don't know. I think we, I think this is cool. Are we currently the band? You no, know, I'm glad you said that because, uh, yeah, potentially. Well, there's 365 <laughs> of us in here, so so maybe not. Hey, big band. Um, yeah. I I don't think that. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like that to me. Um, but I know what you mean. Like there was there was there was a I think it was a time last week where we're like even we were coming up with topics um and we knew it was a little bit light and farouk actually put in the chat like we show up every day whatever happens at the show like we do it in an hour and a half whoever comes up we'll just make a show out of it um and it is it is kind of fun to have that as like a i don't know a north star like we just show up and do it um anyway we should probably get back onto the roadmap i I thought um the head of nft nft5 was coming up but he seems to have been uh seems to have been rugged but we did um we, for DGENs, we did an we did an article on it this week. Um, I don't, did you read that OSF the article or the, the yeah. report that we did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very interesting. It was, I think, one of the more interesting ones we've done. I don't know if any of you guys have dabbled with the concept of like taking loans out on your NFTs, but um, it is most most uh, of these 
of these loan companies are they're kind of centralized. One of the biggest ones is, is Nexo, and it's a situation where you can get like, let's say you have a punk or you have an ape or you have another blue chip. They would normally offer you like twenty to thirty percent uh, LTV, um, and that's uh, LTV stands for loan to value. So that's um, let's say your board ape is worth a hundred ETH, they would give you twenty ETH as a loan, right? Now, what I thought it was interesting about NFT Fi. Um, which is a slightly different protocol, is that it's peer-to-peer. So you take out loans versus other people. And increasingly, um, I think when they did their their loans last year, I think the average LTV of their loans was 50%. So against a board ape or a punk, you get like 50%. But what um, seems to have happened over the last two, three, four, five months is those LTV ratios have become more competitive and actually gone up. And it's now kind of a weird scenario where in the past, people would have warned um, people against taking loans out on your NFTs, right? It encourages leverage. It's, it's, um, it normally just benefits the, the lender in that they take an incredible amount of interest from you um, for that risk that you might lose your NFT if it absolutely gets destroyed. What, what happens in this scenario is that some of the LTV loans are like 70 uh, 75, 80% in some of the assets. And what you increasingly are seeing is that like people are using them like uh, to convert their, their NFTs into kind of like a call option, which is where if, if the NFT dips below, um, let's say you owned a board ape and it dropped down to 70, 80% and you borrowed 70, 80 ether on it, the borrower actually often just lets these loans default. So the default ratio has been relatively high on NFT, um, but it ends up you end up with a scenario where uh, the, you convert yourself from owning a board ape to having your downside limited at like 20%, 30%, and your upside the same. So like I thought, having looked through it, it was far more interesting than I originally thought, which, I, which is what I thought was sophisticated investors, is like um, just taking, taking interest and taking your money. So now it, it basically has like a quasi- options market going on in, in NFTs because um, people, people essentially pay like an incredible amount of interest to get hedged on that downside. Um, I don't know if you, you had the same view of that, OSF, but it definitely changed my view of how peer-to-peer loans would work in this market because in, in, regular, in regular DeFi, when you take out leveraged loans, right, let's say, um, let's say you, took, you owned 100 ETH and you could borrow... Um, you could borrow 50 ETH equivalent in stablecoins against it. That's how general DeFi works. And when that collateral moves against you, when ETH drops 10, 20, 30%, the, the loan basically auto repays. This, because of the illiquidity, it doesn't auto repay. So the actual, the, the, um, the, the lender gets stuck with the NFTs. It's not, like, it's not like they're stuck with some ETH, which they can immediately sell. Um, and for that reason, like it becomes a very different scenario. And like the, there are there are massive risks on both sides. Like, I think if you're smart, you could you could use this to your advantage. Yeah, I mean, you could. Uh, and what the, the guy that wrote the report for us um, was telling me is that people were using it to actually tax loss harvest. So you could actually, because of the money you get from um, from the loan, which you obviously don't repay if you default on it, you then just default. On the on the loan, you lose your NFT, 
and you can write off that tax loss against it. So depending on what your entry price was and depending on the amount that you can loan, there was actually a situation where you could actually like tax loss harvest like 20 or 30% in your favor. And I think that's what a lot of people were doing. That's why the default rate was so high and a lot of things because people were just like, well, this is a really, this is, if I want to actually sell my NFT, instead of going out there to the market and selling it and then paying the full tax, I can just take a loan against it and then default on it, write that whole thing off as a tax loss. And if the amount is greater than it would have been had I just tried to sell it normally with the tax loss, then, I, then it's efficient for me to do that. And that seemed to be like some kind of ARB in the market that I think a lot of people were doing. Um, I don't know how long this lasts because um, you're right, like the lender ends up just getting stuck with these NFTs, which I guess they end up buying at a cut price and um, uh, um, is beneficial to them on the face of it at the initial point of, of doing the transaction. But it's like a liquid shit, right? Like all this stuff gap to zero very quickly. So. I don't think it's something that's going to last for a long time, but I do think it's something that can be gamed and, and a lot of money can be made out of if you're, um, you know, if you see the loopholes and figure it out, basically. Yeah, it just it just struck, struck, struck me as slightly different because let's say you took it again, let's say you went to like Nexo and took out a 20% LTV loan. It doesn't really matter. Like if, if, that, gets, if that gets liquidated, um, like you're kind of wrecked. But in these sort of scenarios, you can kind of hedge downside, and you ne- you haven't, you've never really seen an options market develop in NFTs. But this, these like peer-to-peer loans, because the because the um, collateral is a liquid, they uh, they can increasingly look like that. And I, I don't know, like in, maybe ahead of an airdrop, or I, I think you don't get any benefits from an airdrop if you have it in one of these loan pro- loan protocols. But if you were expecting like the the price of your NFT to drop over the coming weeks for some, some other reason. This is kind of an interesting time that um, this is an interesting thing that you could have used. Like if you thought the NFT market was about to go down 40, 50% in ETH terms, you could have potentially taken out a ton of different loans on NFT5 for some of your assets. And you actually would have been capped probably at like 20, 30%. Now, I think the average um, loan time is in the weeks. So it's, I think it's from two weeks to like 20 weeks is where the majority of the loans happen. And they are high interest. It's like one, they're equivalent of like 1% per week, but not crazy. Um, but it does seem like an interesting concept going forward that I just don't think enough people are really aware of. And people always get warned off the concept of leverage, using leverage. And I, I kind of agree with that. Um, except in scenarios like this, where I think you can actually be a little bit strategic in how you use it. Question um, for also those that are listening that are new, so, and might be new to this concept. So I've never personally done it before, but I've heard about, you know, how you can loan your NFT and like people give you, you know, the crypto um, in exchange, but it's like, what are some uh, trusted, I guess, uh, platforms or people that like you can do this with um and how do you know when something is trusted like how how does the exchange work so so it's done by smart contracts um at least on the DeFi level it's done by smart contracts but that would also be the case for um nft like i said there's a difference here between centralized people that do it so we're basically at like a bank and that's like uh nexo is one of the biggest but there are a ton of different centralized lending uh protocols that have come out and been like right we will you can lend uh 
sorry, not lending protocols, but lending companies where you can you can borrow 20 to 30 percent of the value of your NFT if it's like a blue chip um, at at a high interest rate, normally like let's say 20 to 50 percent a year. Um, but this is slightly different. NFT is peer to peer, so like other people are giving you those um, those those loans, and for that reason, you end up with these more aggressive approaches to things like LTV, um, sometimes interest rates. But for blue chips, it does feel as though they're, they are, they do, um, you, you know, it's not difficult to get loans. It, it seems like on, on this platform that is definitely used quite a lot. Um, and there's still money to be made as a, as a lender, right? Like you're still taking in crazy amounts of interest. And I think up until maybe a t- two or three months ago, the average default rate on a loan was like 30%. So you basically 30% of the time you could be in trouble, but 70% of the time you were, you were earning like 40 to 50% per week. But I do think it's interesting to think that maybe the next time you go through a bear market or next time, if you expected there to be a massive drop in the price of NFTs, um, that you can, you can use these protocol, uh, use this protocol NFT fine in a smart way, even as a, um, even as a borrower. You, you have to pay the cost of interest to do the borrowing, but you're basically paying the cost of interest to limit your downside. And I think, um, I just think it could have been used by far more people having read it. Hey guys, um, I, I read your report yesterday. It was excellent. And then spent some time on the, uh, on the website last night. There's a couple of things that jumped out, which were interesting. Um, I guess one, one, one trade I saw that people seem to have done a few times, which makes a lot of sense, was trying to lend out pre-reveal. So, I guess, you know, you then have the option, you know, if you get a rare, um, you get to keep it and you kind of ride the upside. And if you get a standard, you know, you know, often things will sell off post-reveal, just, you know, the, um, the overall value of the collection is lower when you take, you know, rare versus... So I saw a few of that. So um, it's hard to think about it exactly because we've obviously been in a bear market, but there's quite a lot of beans being lent. And so I, I saw quite a few of those that defaulted. But on the other side, one thing that was very interesting was for like grail pieces, punks, and apes. Um, I also noticed a few times where the loan was impaired, but because I guess of the rarity, people still she paid off the loan because you know it was their, you know, not necessarily their PFP or maybe even their PFP, but also um, you know the, you know the cost of replacing it or they didn't actually want to lose it. So that was pretty interesting. And also there's a you know they don't do a full social scoring thing yet, but there is kind of a um, you know if you go into each of the lenders and the, the data is pretty granular, you can go into each of the borrowers and lenders. You see you know, what um, percentage actually, um, you know, PayPal has repaid all their loans and, you know, what's the default level. So you can, you also kind of probably have a feeling to some extent of the likelihood of getting repaid. But, you know, I, th- I think um, clearly in a bear market, it makes a lot of sense, but it's a, it's a super interesting platform, sure. And it was a great report. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. So there's, there's almost like a credit score. Um, so some people would still repay their loans, even if, you know, it makes more sense for them not to just because it allows them to um, to borrow more in the future. So there is that concept of like uh, people sometimes do things which are short term worse for them for a long term benefit. And I did think that was super interesting. Like it, it, this isn't just a lending platform. It is a, it's basically an options platform, right? Like what you just said about the reveal is basically how you would how you would um, look at an options market where you have limited downside and and um unlimited upside if you get like a rare that would be a smart way of doing it so i do think people will experiment with this more and more both from the borrowing and lending side 
and I think uh, the fact that it's peer to peer and, and not centralized means that it's less the house always wins. Um, and I think that's that is a uh, like an interesting concept going forward. Yeah, yeah, the one other thing that I just mentioned I thought was interesting, given how high trading fees are in the space, you know, depending, you know, anywhere from two and a half to 10 percent, looking at some of the LTVs, you know, at kind of 80 percent, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty close to being a free option in some of these cases, right? In that, you know, if you have, you know, if you own something at one ETH, but you actually sell it, you end up getting whatever, 0.9, give or take. So if you're actually borrowing at like 0 0.8, 0 0.9, um, or 80 or 90% LTV, it, you know, you pretty much have your sale covered anyway. So as you said, you just kind of own the call option. So it's interesting. Uh, yeah, the, it definitely feels, I'd rather be, you know, looking at the platform, much rather be lending out my NFTs in general than lending my ETH to NFT holders on the current structure every time i check nft fi i don't see anything like jumping out at me as a, uh, a lender like i've thought about it before and we've done some lending in um, a dow on it but like from a personal standpoint every time i look at it i'm just like i don't see anything enticing enough like i would never give anyone a loan over 50 percent ltv on any NFTs. Um, so it's like you're kind of looking for that lender who is willing to take on more risk too is it it's a p2p lending marketplace so it's like you can't just go and get instant liquidity you have to find the counterparty yeah i think the average loan still on a board eight over the last over the last um few weeks has been like 60 65 ETH, something like that i don't know what it is in a uh crypto punk but that's high i mean yeah it's I, way I guess higher I, than like where you can get anywhere else like anywhere else, it's twenty five percent or so. So the fact that you can get sixty is crazy. Exactly right. Like sixty to sixty five implies that you have got an LTV there of like seventy percent, or um, or yeah, around that. And that's that's just nuts. Like um, I agree with you that, but because it's competitive, some people clearly are being aggressive on the lending side, um, maybe on the institutional side that we don't really see. And maybe it's something to take advantage of short to medium term. Like if someone, if someone said to you two months ago, hey, your downside can be capped at 70% on all your, or at 30% on all your blue chips. You've just got to pay me 1% interest per week. I think a lot of people would have taken that. Um, and they probably didn't know about it. I've, I've actually used um, Nifty Fire a ton. Uh, I was working with a, a team that was doing uh, or trying to do loans early on and they didn't really work out and ended up finding Nifty Fi early on as a result. And um, just in reference to what Deez was saying, uh, basically the way that a lot of it works, so you can, put up, you can put up stuff for collateral, you can go and search on the site for loans, but the way that most loans work is that people kind of use Discord to, to find someone that, that will match the other side of whatever they're looking for. And even now, I mean, I haven't really spent so much time on there recently, but uh, I, I check in every now and then. And even now, I mean, the thing, the, the whole understanding and market for it is so naive um, that you can you can find some ridiculous deals. I mean, people don't really, you know, you can, you can go in there and reject everything and, and be very upfront about rejecting kind of offers and only looking for ridiculous stuff that no that you would think no one would ever accept but people accept it um there's there's, there's a crazy amount of opportunity there even now 
look from from the um, the research that we were looking at, the average LTV that people were getting was easily above sixty percent. It, it was it was between sixty and eighty percent across a range, of, and it wasn't just blue tips. It was a it was a range of different NFTs, like the mid tiers and sometimes even low tiers. So I agree with you. Like I don't know if it's immaturity um, or yeah, may, maybe people are playing it on institutional level and are happy to see defaults on on certain projects, but. Um, Look, I, I kind of hope it flourishes because it's interesting just that you can play it from both sides. Like there's, um, there's you know, you are paying you are paying forty to fifty percent interest per year, um, but so so there is some benefit to to being a lender on this platform. Um, and, this, and there was only thirty percent defaults before, but if you want to be smart going forward, I would definitely take a look at it. I think we're going to try and get them on the show uh, going forward because uh, we've had other. We've had other lenders want to come onto the show and talk about their platforms, but to be honest, like I feel as though there are a lot of sharks in the water in that world. Um, like people, people are offering you twenty percent LTV at very high interest rates, um, and it's just not a great, not as good a deal for for a borrower. Whereas I think this is more like a peer to peer, and it could be could be a far interesting, more interesting one going forward. I'm kind of annoyed they didn't turn up, but maybe uh, maybe we'll do it later in the week. I mean, I definitely say there's a lot of stuff to be wary of uh, using the platform, um, especially if you don't really understand how interest works, etc. But yeah, there's there's an insane amount of deals out there, um, and definitely worth looking into, especially especially if you're outwardly seeking stuff in the Discord as opposed to just you know using the site, putting stuff up, and just waiting for offers. Has anyone else used it apart from apart from YouTube? That's a negative, I think. <laughs> I've definitely played around with it, but I haven't actually lend or borrowed yet. But it's definitely a cool uh, thing. And I know there's a lot of people building on that side. And, and I really think during this bear, we're going to see a lot more uh, projects and protocols kind of being built at that type of level. One thing I will mention is that uh, with all these things, it's, it's, it pays to be wary of kind of any new functionality or any... Um, different features that pop up because they can be exploited and, and what you thought was a kind of secure loan for whatever reason isn't necessarily like obviously I think Mando touched on it before with airdrops um, I'm not sure about now but before Nifty Fire wouldn't cover your airdrop so basically when the the loan is secured uh, the NFT goes into a vault that no one has control of um, or into an, essentially an Ethereum address that no one has control of so if the loan is paid off it goes to the original owner if it isn't then it goes to the person who provided the loan um so if you were to get an airdrop your your airdrop would be stuck in that wallet forever yeah i i just wanted to add another layer of information that i've come across how how nftfi used to work it, it, it used to work like yeah it still works it still works peer to peer but now you have these big players and one of these these big players are the guys from meta street i don't know if you guys heard about meta street where they're trying to create a protocol decentralized interest rate protocol uh, uh like a kind of a bond market for for nft lending and basically uh i listened to 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 a couple of podcasts from these guys and what they're saying is that 
Now they are the biggest lender on NFT5 for the last three or four months. And I don't uh, really recall the number, but they lent out in the millions of dollars. And how they see this is that it, it, it possibly complements what they are building with MetaStreet. So basically they have this running bot where uh, you, you just plug the parameters, LTV, uh, uh, interest rate, and every time someone goes and tries to find loan or lists his NFTs on, on NFT5, this bot will automatically bid or automatically offer uh, to lend on specific parameters. And what they were saying also is that maybe three or four months ago, they were the only ones using this, this, uh, this strategy of automatic lending, but now you have more players that are toying with this game, trying to trying to find the the reasonable or the middle ground where uh, it's basically not peer to peer anymore because you have this bot with almost infinite funds uh, lending and competing with other bots from other funds to to lend on specific NFTs. So it's it, it becomes like I think another le level. Uh, of, uh, of, uh, of of complication, it adds another level of complication to understand how how NFT five works. Although NFT five is, is is pretty simple, so uh, yeah, that's what that's what I wanted to add. So you, you think you think the lenders are like um, are on the institutional side that they're doing that this this one fund is doing the majority of them that like repackaging them into bond like goods. Is that what you're saying? That's that's basically what they were saying is that their first step is that they want to play around with NFT Fi with millions of dollars of funds while building Meta Street and then when you take the when you when you give a, a, a loan on NFT Fi so when you lend on NFT Fi you receive a promissory note so you receive an NFT and basically what they want to build is that these NFTs that you receive as a lender you will be able to put them. In a sort of um, uh, in, in, in a sort of um, well, I'm I'm lost I, I lost my words uh, uh, in a sort of protocol let's say which is Meta Street where you get interest and then you can trade the bonds on the back on the back end you can trade the bonds you can get interest rate you can you can lend receive the NFT of the lending and then put your your lending or your your lending NFT into these protocols. And then this will define as they see it. So basically they come from traditional markets. And uh, in the podcast you can listen to, I think that they were on Zima Red and they also were on uh, on uh, Proof. No, I can, get, I can get how this works. Like if I can imagine how this works, if one institution is going to be the, is going to be the, the lender, right? then they can package that up and sell it like a different sort of person to let's say someone wanted to get like a stable coin yield, right? That just acts like a normal bank would borrow, would be lending out money. And the, um, the, the, the people, the products which they sell could just be like a stable product, stable coin product, which gets you like 10% yield, but you, you are kind of one, one step removed from the, um, the risks. Let's put it that way. I, I can imagine how, how they're going to do this. Um, I think that is interesting, but it does sound a bit like subprimey. <laughs> so I would say, like, let's say that the NFT market all went south by fifty percent, you could wipe out um, everyone's everyone's collateral, basically. So you could be in a pretty dangerous scenario. But um, 
I, I was I was kind of hoping that someone would come on and say like who who are who are the lenders because it is when I when I was looking through I was just thought it was nuts and the fact that there is maybe one or two big whales on the lending side side and they are looking to sell products on the back of that via bonds or maybe like um, stablecoin yields I think I think that that makes a lot a lot more sense to me um, why you might get might, might be getting these like aggressive rates. Yeah, that, that's exactly what they were explaining. They they are VC backed. They 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 worked before on the on the real estate market, and they 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 did many parallels with what happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So okay, it's, it's not very reassuring, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's that's basically what they were saying that they want to apply what's happening in the real estate market in the, in the bond real estate market to the NFT lending, in that they kind of have uh, a good amount of capital behind them so yeah okay great so you basically got this subprime 2008 crisis heading to nft loans um don't worry if you're a borrower um that seems that seems to be the situation we're heading towards um i didn't know like we were going to have the uh the head of uh nft worlds come on who's been who's an amazing dev in the space i think he'll hopefully be on in the next five to ten minutes but OSF, did you maybe want to go into? I know we put out a, a, an article today on the future of DGENs. I, I figured it might be a good time to just maybe give an update of, of the story and like what what you've got planned or what we've got planned. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, maybe I should just pin try and find that tweet and pin it. Um, but yeah, we basically. I mean, as some of you guys know, this was like a, a project that Mando and I did in July of last year. I think we didn't really know what we were doing um, and uh, you know, the project sold out but it ended up going to zero by the end of 2021 because we tried to make it like a comic book kind of thing we tried to go down um, creative uh, storytelling paths or gamification whatever it was and we just everything we tried just didn't really work and we just weren't very good at it um, so it kind of like by the end of 2021 it was a project that we had done that we made some money out of from primary along with three other people and it basically looked like it was going to be a soft rug and it was never really our intention to do that we just couldn't find figure out ways to get it to work so come the beginning of january when we both quit our jobs and we went full-time into nfts and web3 we're like you know let's just figure out a way to make this work and figure out things that we're good at um rather than trying to chase things or not and you know as, as most of you guys know michael and i um spent about 10 years working as traders at, at Barclays and at Goldman. We worked in London and, and in New York and um, trading investing is something that we've done for a long time. And I think it, that career background that we had helped us have some success in the space within NFTs. So we're like, you know, let's make, let's turn this thing into an alpha group and like, just try and like share some of our thought processes and, and stuff. Um, you know, when we started out, we just, you know, I think the, the, the connotations from alpha group are actually pretty negative because a lot of these groups are run by influencers. They're, they're paid groups. They don't really offer much value, and they're used as you know the followers or group members are often used as exit liquidity for whoever is um, running that group. So that's definitely something that we didn't want to do. So our idea was just like let's just put in loads of content. So we put in like daily market updates. We started writing long form NFT reports. We're very active in Discord ourselves, and the idea of it is like we're not telling you what to buy. We're not saying hey, I love. Um, I don't know, MFs or saying, hey, I really love like buying Super Rare or whatever it is. Like, 
it's just like hey this is the stuff that we own this is how we thought about it and our thought process and this is what we think and this is how we're thinking about the market this is our thought process this is how we're thinking about nfts this is our thought process this is how we these are the metrics or these are the filters we use to come to our, our own decisions and that's how we think about it and the idea is that it gives people joining the group to get an idea of how to think for themselves it's like you don't join the group and think oh i know what to buy now it's like oh i know what to look for or i know how i'm going to critically um analyze or assess my next investment or next trade so that was the idea and the main reason for it was just to try and drive some value back to DGENs because it was a project we wanted to give something back to and um we were just surprised by the reception to it like the 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 discord at the beginning of this year started out as 2,000 members. I think we're now at 9,000 and our Twitter following grew from like 7,000 to 20,000. Then it, it didn't really happen in like a hype frenzied way. It just happened in a very organic what method, uh, organic fashion as we just slowly added more and more things to that community, which we really liked, you know, that like we didn't want to just come in just like hype this thing up and get it going again. So like, let's just try and build something real and foster a real, real, community of people who actually help each other out and um yeah it's just like we were just it just went from being something that like we wanted to make sure this wasn't a zero and like give some value to it so at least people who bought it were like oh i have some benefit from owning it um and we were just blown away by the reception that it's now become a really big opportunity for us and we just have all these ideas on, on how to add things make things bigger and better and like to be honest with you the last two or three months DGENs has taken up most of my time and most of Michael's time and we've been doing a lot of behind the scenes just stuff that people aren't really aware of because we haven't publicized them we haven't marketed them the um the mirror article I wrote uh to, that Michael and I both wrote today is the, is the first part of like the, the marketing and, and the relaunch that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks and um we have some ideas to simplify the structure i think right now people are like well i don't want to buy these dgens and regens because they don't like the art or i don't get what these are and people don't understand what the utility is or people don't understand don't understand the community um all that stuff isn't very clear and that's intentionally so because we've given ourselves time to build and create it um and so we'll be launching a new website and that will have that will be where you can connect you'll be able to connect with your web3 wallet you'll be able to access all the content we have um, it will be, all be token gated and the website will be much more clearer as to what the actual offering is. And then we have a smart way to clean up the structure actually. So it's not so confusing where it's like, oh, do I buy DGENs or do I regens? Like obviously utility all this kind of stuff. It's very confusing right now. Whereas we're going to have something that's going to be um, much easier to understand, uh, much easier to, to, in terms of a branding, um, from a branding perspective, much easier to market. Um, and this thing will just, you know, it will just be, uh, be airdropped to all the all the DGENs and regens. Um, there'll be more information on that in, in coming weeks. But um, yeah, that's the plan. And um, you know, we, it went from being something that was a complete flop to something that we kind of salvaged to something that now I think we have a really big opportunity to, to build and grow something quite large. And uh, yeah, we're just uh, we're really fucking excited about it. Yeah, I thought it was a good a good a good piece. Um, I just didn't know like if you may. Is there any advice you'd give to like somebody who's been a creator in the space, who's maybe seen their project fail, or is having difficulties trying to 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 maintain momentum, that sort of stuff going forward? Yeah, I just think. Look, um, I think that a lot of people tried to do the the CryptoPunk or Board Eight model or Cool Cats or whatever it was back then, or a meme model, and 
the answer is like it's just it's a very saturated market like nfts don't just have to be profile pics and the other thing the other mistake that people make especially for for um for like kind of like things that considered slow rugs where maybe people didn't expect to um scam people but it kind of has come across that way is that people hype things up a lot like we did it with djs when we first started so we made that mistake people hype things up a lot over promise things that they think they can achieve with all this money and the reality is that like they're never able to do it because it's not feasible or it's not or it's difficult or they're not the people that aren't good at running businesses so there's a lot of people out there who are sitting there with like dead projects who i don't think are bad people like i have an empathy with that because i don't think we're bad people we basically had a dead project at the beginning of this year and we revived it um but it you know it comes down to your intentions and, and what you intend to do it's like you know if you're sitting there and you have a dead project and you don't feel the slightest bit guilty or the slightest um bit of responsibility to, towards the people you sold this to or towards the community that you started then you have to start asking yourself questions but if you do then think of ways that you can drive value to it and the question that we asked ourselves was like okay i don't know how we're going to get this floor price high but how do we at least give everyone who holds this NFT, everyone who holds DJ's NFT, how do we give them some benefit of holding it? So then we started out by providing all this, you know, these NFT reports and daily write-ups and that kind of stuff. It's like, it was, um, well, started off as being not much effort to write them up, but it's a lot of effort now. Um, but that way, it was just like, well, we're not really focused here on the floor price of the fact that they're zero, but someone who owns them is like, hey, thanks, you know, like, I get these are zero, but I actually get some useful information. And as more and more people found that information useful, the, the price went up. So I think the focus should be for anyone who has a dead project is like, what can you add to that NFT to make people feel happy about owning it? To make people, even if it's just like, oh, it sucks as at zero, but at least I got this, or at least I'm getting this. And it can be anything, you know, like you don't have to restrict yourself to profile pictures, or you don't have to restrict yourself to airdrops. You can write content, like, I don't know, like be creative. Just think of an idea that gives people access to it and, to, like token, the concept of token gated access, I think, is not used enough, and it's very easy, easy to do these ways. Like Collabland is, is actually kind of shit, but we use this thing called Vulcan Bot now for Discord, which is really good. You don't need to connect your wallet. You can create a whole token gated Discord, a whole token gated community, and add to it whatever you want to add. Just just the action of creating a token gated community has already given some exclusivity like, ex- exclusivity to that NFT that you created. So, um, look, if the intention is there, if your intention was never to create a slow rugging if your attention was to actually drive some value then there's all these different things you can do you just have to sit down be creative figure out your strengths and and use the nft technology and power and the power of, of, of token gating to create the value yourselves um and it's very doable you know it's not easy but look you probably made a lot of money out the the, the primary sale so you, you you've, you've taken the money in up front now it's time to to deliver that value back and that's the way that we approached it basically I think going forward, I think going forward, we're also going to be like keen on using the concept of of free mints or very very low mints as kind of rewards for a community. Like when you have a bunch of different token holders, let's say you have five thousand or ten thousand or even one thousand, like you've probably made money from your primary sale. Um, you you will make money from trading fees if you, if you get the project um, to a better spot. But just think of ways where you can just. Um, there are ways to reward your community and you don't, you don't need to feel, be greedy about what you're doing. Like you will, um, if you keep on maintaining that your project is going to be, um, active and alive, then you will continue to be paid as, as a, a developer of that project. Like, um, if you go in there trying to make too much in primary, um, I think cause, or, or, or on a, like any subsequent drop or it, it can really change, um, 
I think. It can really change how your interaction is with, with some of your um, collectors. So I think we're definitely of the view going forward that we're going to try and push forward the idea of rewarding the community because we're lucky in that we have um, a lot of connections across a lot of different people who are builders and creatives in this space. But that'll be the case for a lot of different people who've created projects. They'll know other people in the space who are creative and there will be ways for them to reward um, to reward their community, I think, in ways where it doesn't have to be another value extraction. Um, and if they can make it so that their community feels rewarded and the project stays alive, then the founder does well. Like there's no, every, every project which is alive with a founder who's continuing to, um, you know, try and maintain that community and doing things to foster the strength of that community, they, they will always do well. Man, they I bring agree. a great point there too. It's like, cause we know like all the other like brands and people that want to come into this space. And I think, I can't remember who it was who wrote, it might've been Alexis O'Hanian a while back where he talked about minimum viable community. And I thought that was such a great point. Uh, and I think like as larger companies and brands look to enter the space, like they're going to be looking to come in through uh, existing communities as we've already seen. Um, so depending on like, which sector you kind of set your project up in, there'll be a lot of opportunities that way. I can definitely see what you guys are doing on that side. I also think uh, that what you said, OSF is like, like spot on about like really investing back into what you like want to build. I think sometimes once you make primary like sales and all that money, it's just, I don't know why the projects, a good amount of them are not doing that, but like legit putting that money towards the part, like building, um, and doing it the right way. Um, I think it's, it's something that, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong. I, I think I, when, once you do a, a project, you have to like prove why, you know, I think we have to really take it as, Hey, this is a startup business, right? And you kind of have to prove why you have this community and why you deserve to be here in a way, um, which isn't a problem. I, I, I don't know. I think I could come off as a little bit, uh, some people don't want to see it that way, but we should. Um, because these are like in a way small businesses and, um, you know, you kind of have to prove to the audience, to your community, why you belong here and, and your significance. And, you know, that re will require you reinvesting into these ideas and being creative and thinking out of the box and, and finding ways to be, you know, to, to be beneficial, um, which I don't know why a lot of projects aren't doing that. Um, but I hope, I start to see more doing so. And on that note, yeah, yeah. shout out to the um, DGen regions. I, I am my shareholder, <laughs> so it's really good that I I have my um you know my founders um, showing that they are going to you know take care yeah. of me. Um, and you were fudding it last week. Come on, it's the first good thing. I am a holder. Why would I? Why would I fud something I'm holding, Simon? <laughs> we, hey, these are recorded. We can go back and find your fud. Oh, well, it should sure. also said that I was a holder. The um. So look, I think I think NFT Worlds. Uh, I just seen now. I think he thought it was Pacific Pacific time, so he might turn up in about eight hours for this space. Um, I think uh, we can kind of move on to. I saw a really good thread on dynamic NFTs. I don't know if you guys, any of the creators up on stage have experimented with that. Um, but for me, if I think about like, if we are going to get past this whole concept of profile pictures and, um, 
actually move into like real utility in NFTs. It's going to be, it's going to be things like dynamic NFTs, smart NFTs that are at the center of that. Um, it's the, 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 I pinned the thread. It's by um, this guy called Croissant. Um, but I must not know this, what dynamic NFTs are. So it's an, it's, it's an NFT where the metadata can change. Um, there's been a lot of uh, talk about this can. So in the um, in the DeFi space, there's, there's there's a lot of use of the idea that oracles will be a big thing. Oracles, um, the biggest one is Chainlink, but they um, there are a number of different oracle providers, and they basically have data feeds from the real world, which then can be used to um, basically a f- like data feeds, which which can be used to affect things in in DeFi. Like maybe the 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 price um, will be informed by. I don't know, like the weather or, or um, I don't know, anything that goes into the data feeds that uh, like the stock, a stock market price might affect uh, DeFi lending rate, that sort of stuff. Um, oh, like that NFT, what's that name? That that actor, when they did like, he smiles if ETH is up and he frowns exactly. if ETH is down. Exactly. Okay. Um, now, at the moment, I just don't think they're being used enough. But if I'm, if I'm actually going to think if NFT technology actually moves to the next, um, the next level... I kind of feel like this. Th- these are the sort of these are the sort of NFTs which I can imagine being massive. Like if you talk about actual applications of NFTs, um, I think when you have oracles which can maybe define, like you said, like uh, external factors which define what is shown in an NFT, um, I think that could be very interesting. There's been talk about the idea that they'll be used in games for that reason as well. So like instead of you just having a, a static image, it would be able to to be modified uh, based on the game environment that you're in. Um, and I think that will also extend into, into, um, into just like the basic art that we do as well. Like I've been, I've been a little bit surprised at how few artists seem to be playing with this as a concept as well. Like um, if you're going to be digitally native, it does feel as though this could be a very interesting way for you to explore um, artistically uh, your piece over, over, you know, over multiple years, over even your lifetime, you could build an NFT which which changes over over multiple years. Um, so I, I didn't know if anyone had used it. Um, I was going to maybe do a bigger show on it, but it just feel like that 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 to me feels like one of the biggest biggest things that could push us on in the next NFT bull run. Oh man, I completely agree with you on that. It's been something I've been screaming since last year. Um, because I think like when you take out like the price speculation of it, like you have this NFT sitting in your wallet, like what's going to make you actually come back and look at it, pay attention. I mean, all we are is playing in an attention economy here, whether it's with Web3 or anything else we're doing. So why are you going to go look at that? If it's just a static image. Like chances are you won't spend much attention to what's going on there except for the price. So I think we're going to be seeing this used a lot more, like whether it's a, a daily like video that's updated, a comic script that comes, there's, millions of use cases we're going to see uh and this really excites me going forward and it's it's like i know a lot of people talk about like well i want to do this to bridge it to more of a traditional entertainment side but like you can think of new ways and there's a whole new medium to be able to tell stories and build projects and i always say it's like just your imagination is the only limitation of what you can do with this so i would completely agree we're going to be seeing so many more use cases of this going uh forward and you know, we're already working on a couple of things as well with it. Like, I mean, I hear what you're saying. This is this is good. This is I, I'm for this. I, I, I live for these conversations. But we also like 
talk about hey how PFP projects are what is what is like what is in and etc and this is why so people legit are going to be like hey what is going to be fit for the market versus hey can I kind of do something that is going to challenge the market so I mean if we're going to be about like challenging and like things that are going to push the market forward we really got to be about that and you know like and that kind of has to be consistent because I hear it I think di- dynamic NFTs like what you guys have been saying like definitely is something I would want to see I think that's cool but I also hear every day about yo it's about that PFP it's about that flip game so but I can mean, you imagine could you imagine a profile picture that changes right like that you connect in the same way that your Twitter profile picture um, you get the hexagon right but parts of it are dynamic um, but each day it looks slightly different like I think attention is what you just said Simon is is, is really important here like what you'll often find is that these NFT projects, um, right now, the way that they update themselves is with a new drop, right? But there, there could be far more interesting ways for them to stay, um, like reinvent themselves or become more interesting by having dynamic metadata, like changing the, the metadata dynamically and ending up with um, just like uh, a piece which kind of evolves either with what the user's doing or just naturally with how the storytelling is going. You're spot on with that too. And it, it's, it's as this space matures, it's like, I try to look at like parallels of what's going on in other spots. Like I look at Amazon, Apple, like their entertainment sides are just loss leaders to get you into a broader overall ecosystem and just be there all the time. And I think, and the thesis is as we move in and the ecosystem grows, that and kind of ties back into an earlier conversation we had this week where it's more free NFT mints where these assets are going to be more of just the overall entry into the broader ecosystem you're playing in. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of, I think, you know, different tests and different models we'll see, but the dynamic aspect of it just allows you to actually pay attention. And like, even in a, in a bear market right now, it's like, if your project's not moving or the price is staying stagnant, like, why are you going to want to pay attention to that? Like, what's the story? What's the entertainment value going on? Um, didn't the sorry didn't the didn't the cyber brokers have like some type of dynamic element to their collection like hasn't hasn't some of this already kind of been started oh yeah it's happening like people have definitely been experimenting with it but i I think it's just most people in this ecosystem are more paying attention to price and number rather than what's actually going on with these assets innovation yeah, I think, yeah, I think Muri, cyber brokers. I think Muri, when they put out a manga, they're going to put out a manga, and if your PFP is within the manga, it'll evolve to what's been happening in that. I think very dynamic changes. I I I do wonder if if we start to see like a huge, you know, uh, you know, an influx of like dynamic NFTs, like everyone starts doing that. I do think PFP, like that PFP project won't be as significant. I think, I don't know. It won't be, it won't be as significant as it is now. I just don't think yeah, in five years that... we'll be dealing with like static images of profile pictures. I just think that you've got, uh, Twitter will bring it, like even if platforms will still use, like uh, we'll still mainly be on social media and like the main advertising space will be banners and uh, the profile picture space. I do think they will, um, 
you you can do so much with that as like your palette. Like people, uh, and I just don't know if they're being used enough. Like the top projects, I know you just said about Muri and um, is doing it, but the concept that you could you could you could enhance your storytelling or your community um, through things like that. I think I think will be massive. I think you have to be. I think some people have tried things that have been dynamic, like remember Eastlings where you could like change what they were wearing and that kind of stuff. No, it's not like necessarily like dynamic smart contracts, but or like Hacker Tower had their thing where you could like chop and change what the profile picture looked like. I think in the profile picture market, people don't really like that or care for that because it removes the, you lose the identity or you lose like the rareness or whatever it was to begin with. I think if something was constructed where it kind of like maintained those those things where if you could chop and change it then that could be interesting but so far it's just been like too it's just like everything that you chop and change it just ends up being too different for it to be recognizable and then things actually lose their individuality which is let's be honest like what people actually look for in profile pictures people like their individuality um but there are lots of interesting things you could do i think from a gamification angle and i don't know like there's all these interesting ideas that like you create something that um was tied to like let's say your wallet balance basically and if your if your wallet balance was more than like 100 ETH then it would display like a gold version of your profile picture or if it's more than a thousand ETH then you'd display like your profile picture in flames or something like that like yeah I think I think there was like in, in sports too we're gonna see it a lot I remember I think it was like either Lonzo Ball like had one where like depending yeah. on like how his stats were going like it, it's interesting like and I think we're gonna definitely see more of it but it's just a different sector of the market. Yeah, there is something <laughs> called um, there's something called relics, which is by the um, Monster Cat guys, and that's that's a dynamic NFT, which I think it's basically like some it's like a jukebox that you can put in Decentraland or wherever, and it will play music. And I think you can select songs or whatever. But the more the song gets played, I think your NFT reaches like a higher status or whatever, and that, that affects the rarity. So I think that's like stuff like that. I mean, like, have this like gamified element of it. Well, yeah, but it's it's the pro- profile profile the stagnant image is what we're we're looking for. Like, you can't have, I guess, unless Twitter does something where you can have like animation or whatever. Like, it's hard for you to like showcase that as your PFP. But I do know some people too, like Logic. He has the plug where you, if you hold it for a bit of time, it changes color and stuff. Um, uh, but I think I think yeah. you made a good point there, OSF. Though, like rarity. The main risk here is that, like, you buy a rare and then tomorrow it's not so rare. So I don't know if it necessarily, it, it, it maybe doesn't suit classic rarity structured profile pictures. Um, but it does, you could, you can still do some crazy stuff artistically. Um, and I, for, for projects again, which like have issues about retaining attention, like, I don't know if you remember even when just Azuki changed its metadata of like the dirt to the box to the dirt, like, everyone went nuts. Like just the concept that NFTs can change, um, I and that brings attention back to a project. That that will do far better than like you paying some influencer to retweet your project. Like if you are able to um, make it make it so that it, it has its own storyline, which can adapt. I think that that is a very interesting way of like retaining attention, basically. Let's not let's not discount like a major dynamic NFT, which I think most of us own in here. A rug radio membership pass, which can totally be modified, like if you become a host or later on, like that's probably one of the first things I've seen where the metadata changes, especially in my wallet. 
Yeah, exactly. That's true. I think I think um, I remember when they first came out. That there, there was the idea that this they are going to uh, they're going to be adapting the metadata over a, a long time. I don't even I don't know if it's dynamic in the way that there'll be like certain external factors which cause which cause you to um, cause that to change. But I do think as a concept, it's definitely it's definitely one that's underutilized. And I do think that in the next NFT, let's say bull run, it'll be those things which I think could um, people that are experimenting with this as a concept I think are the ones that are going to feel more unique and there will be a case where you look back on these these projects now and you might find them quite static and, and uninteresting um, so yeah I do think that, that that's definitely going to be something going forward well I hope we so we got rugged by two by two of our guests today. Not one, not two. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we if we should continue on or we just call it here. We kind of been through everything that was on my on my agenda in case this happened. Um, what do you, What do you think, OSF? Yeah, I think we can. Uh, we're almost at almost at one ninety minutes, so we can. Uh, yeah, we can tie it off here and uh, and live to fight another day. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Hopefully, we'll get the. Uh, sorry if you came on for the uh, creator of NFT World, and sorry if you came on for the creator of NFT Fi. We'll hopefully get them on later in the week. Um, and also, yeah. sorry if you came for Farouk's excitement. Um, sorry we didn't lift that level up for you. That guys was why I came. But uh... <laughs> yeah, apologize for that. He'll hopefully be here tomorrow. I'm actually not sure. I think so- there's something about him going out for dinner with the Prince of Monaco tomorrow. So he, uh, he you might guys be able to- You guys were able to hold it down. You guys did a good job. He, he might not be able to make it, um, but we'll see. We'll see. So 10.30 uh, a.m. tomorrow, every, every weekday we do this show. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Take it easy, everyone.